Welcome to Element if you are new. <laughs> there, are Bibles in the, there are Bibles in the seat backs in front of you. If you don't own one, you can have one. If you forgot one, you can use one. Uh, there are sermon notes on all the communion tables throughout the room. They look like this. And on the inside, you'll get some notes and questions to reflect on what we talk about today. If you have a smartphone, you can download an app. It is called Uversion. Uh, you click on More and then Events, and Uversion will come up by GPS in your smartphone. You get server notes, verses, questions, announcements, and everything that goes with today's message. My name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here. Why don't you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Uh, this is Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 17, and it says this, The words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Let's pray. Father, this morning I ask that you would teach us what it means to be a people who hear your words spoken to us and that we would live those out in our, in our lives in ways that honor you. That we would understand our own lives many times and the foolishness that we have run headlong into and how your wisdom has come and rescued us and called us back to yourself. So teach us to be a people who trust you in everything so you'd be glorified and we live in the joy that you provide. Amen. Have a seat. All right. So this is Ecclesiastes week 26. Uh, we have literally just about a month and a half left, and we're going to finish this book. You're welcome. It's a long time getting there. I'm going to warn you, though, last week, this week, and the next two weeks are going to kind of all go together. I'm taking some of these verses, and we're jumping forward and back to kind of get the idea of what they all mean in context with each other. So sometimes it'll be philosophical. Sometimes it'll be theological. Sometimes it'll be very practical. I think today is, is actually very practical and maybe sometimes funny. And hopefully in the end, that all goes together to help us understand who we are and who God is in the midst of all of this. Part of the problem is when I do a series like this, I read so much and I listen to so many things and I have so many notes and I've got to pare it down so you can get it. So literally, the 30-some-odd weeks of Ecclesiastes is me paring it down. You're welcome. All right? Uh, So last week we went all the way through uh, verse 16 of chapter 9. So you can open your Bibles. We're going to start in in verse 13 of chapter 9. So open there. And I called today the vaping freakout. A bit because it's one, funny because of our culture and vaping. Everybody's freaking out. And secondly, because we're going to talk about fools and foolishness. And vapor is the word for meaningless. It's the word in the ESV. It translates as vanity. But it means under the sun. Things are so temporary. And so often we freak out about all of these temporary things and cease to look at what is actually eternal. Today we like to uh, split people into different types of groups. We group people by age, uh, by weight, by job class, blue collar, white collar. What neighborhood do you live in? Do you live across Bedravia, across Donovan, across Broadway? And we classify like that. We classify people in how hot they are. Oh, that's a 10, a 9, an 8, a 5, a 1, a 0, you know, whatever it is we, we kind of classify. Now Solomon will do that as well, but Solomon only has two classifications. He's got the wise and the foolish. That's how he distinguishes people. And so we're going to talk about some very honest stuff today. Some of the things may relate and look to us like, oh, that sounds like my life. If the shoe fits, you got to wear it. But you got to understand Solomon is also saying these things about himself and really about, about all of us as well. So we got to understand what he says, and if the shoe fits, we got to walk around with that. Last year, we went through the book of Proverbs over the summer, and we saw that wisdom is living in the world in the way that God has designed it in the ways that he has said. And so we do that by 
by listening to Him and living ways that honor Him, and that in turn will bring joy into our lives. We don't always need to be clever. We don't always need to find out new angles or new schemes. Many times we simply need to listen to what God has already told us and then begin to live in that. But in order to know what God has told us, we need to be in a relationship with Him. We have to know who He is. And so Solomon is constantly saying through this, wisdom is listening to God and not living, living in foolishness. And he always says, if you've got to choose between two things, wisdom or foolishness, you should always choose wisdom. I mean, it would be funny if someone says, choose foolishness. But he says, you know, choose wisdom. It's, it's, it's very good. It's the better of the two. Um, now, part of why Solomon says these things is he realizes, again, he at times has been this foolish person that has done very foolish things in his government and very foolish things in his lives. And he's willing to wear that shoe. Now, last year in Proverbs, I asked you, what is a fool? And if we were to describe a fool today, how Solomon would say it is, it is someone who is out of touch with ultimate reality of how things work. Uh, this could be in how you see relationships. Like maybe you keep dating the same kind of person, and it keeps resulting in the same horrible relationship. You're like, why does this keep happening? Foolishness. You keep dating the same kind of person. Maybe you can't hold down a job, but you never show up to work. It's like, why can't I keep a job? Foolishness. Keep doing the same thing the same way, thinking you're getting a different result. I mean, this could be all kinds of things, to thinking debt is good, to light beer tastes good, or anything like that, right? There's this whole idea that we should know better part of, of foolishness. So those things go together. Always doing the same thing, expecting a different result. And we're not trying to change our behavior. We just want to change the results of our behavior. And God, in the end, wants to change us to be wise people. Uh, it's it's kind of like this. Don't hate me for this, but I want to talk about football just for a second. I love football. I know a lot of you love football. Last service, people like all kinds of jerseys and just ready to go and watch the game. So the idea in football to me is I love watching it because I like the hits and the smacking around. It's great. I will only watch football and snowboarding on TV. Like, that's it. But, but having said that, over the last couple decades, there is all of this data that's coming out on head injuries in football. And I think it would be foolish not to realize there's some sort of correlation there. We should know better. Not that I don't mind watching everything, but we should just know that. When the Bible talks about a fool, it's not just somebody who's dumb in one area. Like, you might be someone who always clicks on the spam link. Bill Gates wants to give me a million dollars. Click, right? Stop it. And don't forward it to me, because I'm not going to click on it. But some people do that, and that's foolish. Foolish in one area doesn't mean you're foolish in your entire life. It's when the Bible talks about this, it's that, the, that there is, number one, a created order to the world. And secondly, we're to live within that. And a fool is someone who understands that or doesn't understand it but doesn't live in it. When God created the world, there is an order to it. Like there's boundaries for the sea. This far you may go and no farther. Things don't happen by random chance. There is a physical, moral, social, and spiritual order to the world. And if we intend to live wise lives, we have to submit and live according to what that order is. And so what Solomon says is throughout like the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he says, please Follow wisdom. I know I didn't most of my life, but I want you to understand what it is and live in it. You do not have to be another clown in the fool's parade of history that walks through. You can live in wisdom. So what he does over the verses today is he's going to give us seven principles about foolishness. And I'm going to give those to you. Again, if the shoe fits, wear it. But also, as I go through these, don't be someone who sits there and says, oh, I wish so-and-so was here to hear this because they're a fool, right? Because what we need to do is we need to listen to it, not judge others, and then live out in wisdom how God calls us to. That's my preamble. Here we go. Number one, principle number one, fools never learn. 
Okay. Ecclesiastes 9, 13 through 16. I have seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with few men in it, and a great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that poor man. But I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. Now, last week I spent some time talking about those verses, pointing out that it's a great metaphor and allegory to Jesus. Jesus has a serving wisdom and a saving wisdom, and yet his words were despised and rejected. So Solomon probably doesn't even know half the time that he's saying great things about the gospel that's coming. Now, in context of his culture, though, in looking at this, there's a debate about how these verses can actually be translated. It's not because there's a debate about scripture, but sometimes Hebrew is difficult to parcel out. You got this small town, handful of people, most towns in this time were very small like that, and it's attacked by a mighty army and a mighty ruler, and they're coming to crush it, like when a spider makes it into your shower, and you like crush it, right, because you don't want it in there. That's what's going to happen. It's trying to set up this miracle that's going to save the city, and it just so happens in this town lived this wise man, and despite his simple life, he could save the city because of his wisdom that was beyond imagining. Now, one way you could actually read the Hebrew text is that the man's wisdom was actually ignored and the city wasn't saved, and everyone was destroyed, and that's why he wasn't remembered. The other way you can read it is that his wisdom was heeded, the city actually was saved, but very soon the people forgot the man's wisdom that had saved them, and they went to live lives just as they were before. They didn't learn from the wisdom of the man. Now, either way, it doesn't matter because the moral is the same. And the moral is that foolish people do not listen or live long in wisdom because they do not avail themselves of it. They're too busy listening to themselves or what people say around them. Like last week when I talked about the price is right. We live a lot of our lives like the price is right. Everyone's hollering an answer at us and pretty soon there's just so much noise. We grab one and go with it and it's usually wrong. That's the thing. We're always listening to all these other voices. What we're meant to see is that wisdom is available to all of us, just like the people in the town. But too often, we don't avail ourselves of that wisdom. Our problem is not that we need more information, because we have the scriptures. What we need to do is listen to what God said and begin to live that out in our lives. James 1.22, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. It's like we have enough knowledge. God has given us things in our hands. We just lack wisdom. It's kind of like if you work too much, get some rest. If you never work, get off your butt, get a job. You know, figure that out. It's, it's like there's wisdom that's there. We often forget the wisdom of those who have gone before us. And we have this historical kind of amnesia in our culture today. If, if you look throughout different, you know, political ways that people run countries throughout the ages, it's almost like everything based on man always falls apart. And yet we have people from every walk of life today saying, oh, no, we got to do governments like this or like this, like this, always looking to men to be the answer. And every time we look at men to be the answer, it brings about genocide and war and people hating one another. And it's terrible. But we're always not learning from the past. And we're thinking, oh, we'll just do it better than the other people before us. Uh, many of the beliefs that we have today were around 2,000 years ago. How about this test? Do you know more about the walking dead than someone like uh, Thomas Aquinas or Augustine? You're like, who? Exactly, okay. Do you know more about Star Wars or Game of Thrones than the scriptures? Or maybe uh, something in our history like World War II even happened. If we put our mental energies into something, I don't know if it should be pop culture. Because in pop culture, you get trivia, but you don't get insight. You don't get wisdom. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with trivia. I've been to Naughty Oak to trivia night. It's a lot of fun. But every time I leave, like the trivia night, I walk away thinking, you know, I can live a productive life not knowing any of these things. 
and I'd, I'd be okay, right? right? The fools in this town, what they did is they wanted trivia. They didn't really want insight. And the fools forgot the wisdom that had rescued them and went back to living life as they did before. They did not learn. Second thing, foolish people have the biggest mouths. Okay, chapter 9, verse 17. The words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Uh, The NIV says it like this. The quiet words of the wise are more to be heeded than the shouts of a ruler of fools. Uh, Foolish people are loud. I tend to be loud. I don't know what that says. Okay. Uh, Now, again, it doesn't always necessarily mean in volume. It's how you speak about your choices and the things that you're doing, even when they're foolish. You're just very loud about them. It doesn't mean that all fools are loud, but the foolishness in their lives tend to be loud. Like, think about uh, social media. Uh, The people who post the most and are the loudest on social media tend to be foolish. Okay, just throwing that out there, throwing that out there. Uh, you know, and what Solomon says, if you are just running to look for fame or kudos from people around you, you're probably going to be another one of the foolish people you see on television ranting and raving about nothing. It's like they keep talking and talking and talking and rehashing the same old stories and making fun of the same people, and it gets old, and they don't even realize no one's listening anymore. Like, I can open up my news app right now, and there are probably ten stories there. None of them are going to be about Trump and how he's a dummy. And I don't care how you feel about Trump. I'm just saying when you get that many stories about a thing, people stop listening. People stop listening. Wise people speak in humble tones. Not that they can't be loud, but humble tones means to those who are willing to hear. This means we are humble and we are teachable. And when we are that way, we want the same thing for those around us. You ever talk to somebody who asked you for advice and right in the middle of the advice you're giving them, just start talking. They talk right over you. You're like, well, that's interesting. Right? Because that's, that's foolish. Uh, some people who, who stray into addiction, a lot of times they're like that. They will just talk and talk and talk and talk. And, and you, when you're wise, you just stop talking because it's like you're not really going to get anywhere. It's okay to look around things in our world and say certain things are foolish. Like um, the advice that Howard Stern gives to young men. It, it is foolish and dumb. It's okay to say that how our government deals with money and budgets and garners votes is dumb. In Genesis, God calls Adam to name things around him. It is okay to see foolishness around us and name those things as evil and wrong and foolish. But wise people are humble in how they do that. They don't just point the finger at people and say, oh, you're just a fool. They find wise ways to speak wisdom into other people's lives. Fools are not people who lack mental acumen. Sometimes fools can be very, very bright. I know some people who we would say aren't that bright and they live the wisest lives I've ever seen. That's important to understand. Principle number three. It's going to sound like your workplace. Uh, One idiot or one foolish person can ruin everything. Yep, yep. Chapter 9, verse 18. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. Right? So, America, we have this military machine, right? But Solomon says, if we had to choose between military might and wisdom, you choose wisdom every single time. That's what you do. And it kind of goes back to that story of that wise man who saved that city. It's that power without insight and wisdom leads to tyranny. It only takes one knucklehead with too much authority to mess everything up. I once worked for a company where this guy got in charge of it, and he had to have everybody in the company fill out this survey that he wanted to do. He was kind of foolish because when he was done, no one cared. Nobody read it, and it cost the company thousands of dollars. Yay, great, go for them. It is that one guy who forgets to gas up his car and gets on the freeway and runs out of gas that ruins it for everybody else. He got thousands of people who didn't forget to gas up their car stuck behind that one guy. It's happened to me twice, by the way, so I'm a little irritated about it, right? What does that guy need? He doesn't need more gas. What he needs is more wisdom. 
to get the gas before he goes. It's like a spot of spaghetti on a white shirt. It's just never going to be right, right? Principle number four, folly stinks up a room. Ooh, uh, chapter 10, verse 1. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. Solomon says folly outstinks wisdom in the way that a bad smell can ruin a fresh-smelling room. I know this because I have a dog, okay? And my dog stinks, and it's bad sometimes. And there seems to be nothing humanly I can do about that. I, I will clean the house. I'll vacuum the rug. I'll vacuum the dog. I'll Febreze the dog's bed. I'll Febreze the dog. And she comes walking in from outside. And it's like someone punched you in the face with a wet sock that's been sitting outside for a month. Every single time. You ever notice that? Like you got something in your fridge. Like, man, why is the fridge thing? And you pull everything out like like hell has been unleashed when you open those doors. You're like, oh my goodness. And you find that one thing that fell down behind somewhere and just rotted. No? Okay. No, it's just you. Great. Okay. But that's what he's talking about. Uh, I had someone over a while ago who sat in one of our chairs, took their shoes off, put their feet on the chair. I didn't think much of it at the time because I do that. But they left, and man, I could not get the smell out of that chair for like months. We had to steam clean that thing to get it out. That's what Solomon says. Folly, it smells like that. It messes up a room. But what he is also saying is many times we don't realize how bad we ourselves are stinking. We always think it's everybody else. And that's why you've got to be careful when we talk about foolish people. So easy to point the finger and say, oh, yeah, so-and-so should be here. So-and-so should listen to this. No, we need to listen to this. You know, some people say, oh, my life stinks. Maybe we need to ask, is that because of foolishness? Is your folly overtaking everything else? Because many times what we do is we want things to change in our lives, but we ourselves don't want to change. We want to do the same old thing and be like, oh, but God, do something different in the end. God's like, I'm not here to change. I'm here to change you. And I want to grow you into wisdom. That's what God longs to do in our lives, to change us. So we need to understand when we're stinking everything up. I think kind of Ecclesiastes today, it could have been your life is a reflection of your wisdom or lack thereof, right? Solomon says what is stinking up our lives is typically listening to ourselves over what he says, listening to our culture around us over what he says. And it's our own fault, so we've got to stop blaming other people. And so a good question now comes, so what do we do about that? When we know the issue is wisdom and folly and trusting God versus not trusting Him, what do we do? Well, Solomon's going to transition into three responses now of what we do when we see foolishness in the world around us, okay? So principle number five is this, look for the fools. That is not in a judgmental way. You're not playing duck, duck, goose like fool, 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 wise. That's not what it means to do, Okay. Chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. That's not a political statement. Some people have taken it to mean one. It's not. Verse 3, even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense, and he says to everyone that he is a fool. NIV says it like this. The heart of the wise inclines to the right, but the heart of the fool to the left. Even as he walks along the road, the fool lacks sense and shows everyone how stupid he is. Now, this can be God's gift to us in a way, not stupidness, but this thing called discernment. We get to look around us and see foolishness around us. Wise people walk in discerning ways. If you are a woman in our culture and you are single, you need to learn discernment. Some dude walks up to you and like he owns the world. And he's all, hi. You know what you say? No. That's it. It's like that drug campaign. Just say no. He goes, but you don't know what I want. You say, yes, I do. And the answer is no. 
I've just saved you heartache and headache right there. You're welcome. That's discernment. And again, this has nothing to do with loving others or praying for them or wanting the best for them, but the wise are fortunate. They can see when they begin to walk in God's ways, they can see folly around them a mile away when it comes towards their life. And you don't have to marry it or listen to the advice of fools. It is okay to prohibit foolishness from interacting with your life. Anybody here ever link themselves to someone who was foolish or a foolish venture and it messed up your life? Anybody? Yeah, every single one of us. Well, well, the three of us over here and the rest of you that laughed about it, apparently. Yes, we, we all know what that's like. It is okay to prohibit foolishness from direct access in our life. And Because no, sometimes no matter what you say and no matter how you help, people just will never learn. That doesn't mean you don't keep loving them. It doesn't mean you don't keep trying to speak wisdom in their, in their life. But you have discernment enough to see it. You keep discernment so that you keep that foolishness from destroying your own life. Well, again, you pray for them and being willing to step into their life when it's needed in appropriate ways. Solomon's very practical in this. And we do this because we must also realize that times and places in our own life, we have also been those foolish people who needed God's wisdom to come and rescue and save us. We have stunked up, stinked up. How do you say it? People's lives around us. We've done that. Uh, principle number six, here's a good one. Ready? Calm down. Calm down. Chapter 10, verse 4. If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place, for calmness will lay great offenses to rest. You ever have an, an employer that just messed up your life? You have a politician Mess up your life. You live in California. You know what that's like. Like Politicians make dumb decisions all the time. You give any center too much power, they're going to go the way of Hitler. Teachers, coaches, neighborhood watch leaders, homeowners association board members. You give one some control with a copy machine at your office place. They think they own the world, right? I press the green go button. It's like, my goodness. Everybody just loves a little bit of power. And Solomon is saying, fools typically run the world. Now, Who's running his kingdom? Him. And he's like, I'm pretty foolish. And so we got to remember that there are so many foolish people in the world that we need to have, that, again, that discernment and calm down. And, and I'm not saying that you get to judge other people in a soul condemnation way. That's not. I'm talking about lifestyles and what's taking place so we can live a life that honors Jesus. As he said, fools typically have the biggest mouths and the largest platforms and the largest audience. Why? Because the world is full with foolish people, and we are typically foolish people, and we want to follow foolish people. And it really makes anybody who comes to a place in their life where they want to live in wisdom and insight, it makes your life kind of hard. So Solomon gives us clarity. He goes, you know what? You can't run to the hills. You can't load up on ammo and build a fence and say, keep out, get away from me. He says, do not leave your place, for calmness will lay great offenses to rest. This is the idea that God has sent us as his ambassadors into the world to help. We are his hands and his feet. We get to calm down and not run away. In the end, it is all going to be okay. Why? Because God is sovereign. We may not see the ultimate reality that in our lifetime, it may be long after we're gone, but ultimately, God is going to bring about his glory and his good. And we get to calm down in the midst of it, under the sun. We may not see all that God is doing, but we can trust him in everything. Again, we live in California. California is a crazy state that taxes things in totally weird ways. Do you know in California, it costs 4.7 times more to build a mile of road than any other state? And this is the roads we have? (laughs) how, How great is that? But before politics, people, money, what we need is wisdom. And the ultimate wisdom that leads us to the place where our lives are surrendered to the person of Jesus Christ. That is the only hope the world has ever had. 
And so we need to pray for our elected officials. And yes, we need to pay our taxes. Don't throw anything at me, right? We need to become this influence in our city for God's glory and everybody's good as God leads us how he calls us to live. And we do not do that by calling people fools, but by being a blessing. We can have discernment to realize what it is, that we speak love and hope and grace into those around us. Ecclesiastes' wisdom is that wise people wait and hope and trust God, that their wisdom and moving forward and patience will help things turn around. Because if we leave, there is no hope. That's why God sends us here as his people in the world. If you leave fools to sort out the messes they made typically they don't sort anything out principle number seven it's another good one except that the world under the sun is run by foolish people okay just chapter 10 verses 5 through 7 there is an evil that i have seen under the sun as it were an error proceeding from a ruler folly is set in many high places the rich sit in a low place i have seen slaves on horses and princes walking around and walking on the ground like slaves now, you have to understand context of this because in our culture, we're like, why shouldn't a, a slave or a servant ride a horse? Because that word for slave can mean servant as well. Why shouldn't they ride a horse? Why don't only the rich guys get to ride a horse? That's because we don't understand what's being said. In the context of Ecclesiastes here, what Solomon is saying is that the wise in this context are, are rich because they've done wise things. He's, he's not saying that only you know, rich people are righteous. That's not what he's saying, but in context of where he's going, that's where his wisdom is pushing. He's trying to make a point. He's saying wise people, they apply themselves so they were able to ride horses well foolish people never planned they never did anything they live foolish lives and they spent all their money on horrible things like i don't know country music and cats and lotto tickets and slurpees and stuff like that but what happened was the rich had labored with wisdom to amass these things and so they were taxed and forced to walk on foot while the foolish people got government assisted uh, horses okay um this society this, now, you've got to understand, in context, okay, this society is coming to a place where riches in and of themselves were seen as evil. Okay? They were looking at riches and saying, that's the problem, the riches, the money, so they punished the rich guys. They were hung up on money when they should have been hung up on wisdom and foolishness and what comes beyond the sun and not just what is under the sun. It's so like today. The poor blame their problems on the rich. The rich blame their problems on the poor, and nothing ever got better. Solomon is horrified to see this, and yet he also realizes that he is one of the people who has brought this about. So it's not the middle-class angry sermon. That's not what this is. It's trying to help us understand wisdom versus foolishness. And so this is a good question to come around with this. Is, is everyone equal? Yes. Okay? That's an easy one. Okay, yes or no, church? Yeah, yes, everyone is equal. That's what he's saying. But you have to also understand that everybody's opinion isn't equal. Not everybody's opinion is a wise opinion. And that's where he's going to kind of push this a little bit. Today, in our society, we want everybody's opinion to hold the same weight and value. Men, women, drunkards, rapists, everybody's, got to, everybody's opinion matters. Well, every... every we have to understand, according to the scriptures, everyone is the same. That's our starting point, okay? God's people speaks truth into the world that we are equal, not because of money, not because of gender, not because of skin color, but because we're made in his image and likeness. Male and female and everyone in between, no matter how they self-identify, made in the image of God. That's the starting point. Now, from that, you've got to hear what I'm saying, is not everybody's opinion in the end is equal because some people are going to live wise, 
And some people live foolish lives. Some people love Jesus. Some don't. Some people will apologize when they're wrong. Some people will blame everybody else when they're wrong. Some people want to glorify God with their lives. Other people don't. All of those things that make us live these different lives, Solomon isn't saying anything about how God loves us and calls us and cares for us. He's saying that in his culture, foolishness was elevated. And wisdom was pushed down. Solomon is saying that the height of folly was to live as if everybody's opinion was of equal merit and value. Now, everybody's life is of equal merit and value, but not everybody's opinion. I mean, today, I mean, most people, again, who are foolish have the loudest voices, where two people can't even sit at a football game who have opposite political opinions and not have people rail at them on Twitter. What is the deal with that? It's just so lame. America today is becoming the apex of what Solomon saw as folly. Fools get in charge of government and civic institutions and even churches, and we vote more foolish people in. And when fools rule, things don't get better. Jesus makes things better. We need to accept the fact that some people are more helpful than others. Like, if you get sick, what do you go see? A doctor! Very simple. My friend John, I keep telling him if he's ever choking, I want to give him a tracheotomy because I really want to do it. I've seen it on TV, and I'm just waiting. i got a pen and a knife, and I'm ready to go. He's like, don't touch me. And I'm like, I want to give you And he goes, no. Why doesn't he want me to do it? I'm not a doctor. Exactly. Oh, but I'm just waiting for the day. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I'm like, are you choking? No, I'm not choking. Leave me alone. I really want to do it. Your car breaks down. Where do you go? Exactly. Why? Because they know more than you about the car. Some people's opinions about certain things hold more weight and merit. That's what he's saying. We don't, do not need to be compelled to affirm dumb ideas just because everybody voted. Some people need to realize maybe it's us that sometimes our advice is foolish. Like, I can give you a tracheotomy and you won't die, right? That's foolish advice if you listen to me when I say something like that. We have to understand, sometimes we are dumb. Sometimes our own arguments are dumb. Sometimes our counsel is dumb. That all ideas are not equal, and God's word is better than human conjecture. That's what he's saying. Jesus is God. That is better than all the false gods. They are not equal. Only in a foolish society do we take what is inferior, us, and place us on God's horseback where we ride around and say, God, you're my co-pilot. You follow me around. When I need you, I'll let you know. You just follow me around. That is the height of folly. And yet we are constantly trying to put ourselves in God's place and not trust him and follow him where he leads us to go. This is what he's saying and where he's going. Our biggest problem is our lack of wisdom of trusting God and what he has done to rescue and save us. But here's the good news. We've all lived foolish lives, but we do not have to be foolish anymore. We are invited to get wisdom from God. And wisdom is not found under the sun, among cultures or philosophers or politicians here on earth, no matter how loud they are. In 1 Corinthians 1.20, it says, Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? You know what the world says? It says, follow your heart. How do you feel about this? Oh, follow your heart. You know what God says? Your heart is deceitful above all things. It is wicked beyond cure. Stop listening to your heart because your heart is foolish. That's what God says. You go eight verses later in 1 Corinthians, and it talks about how Jesus is our reconciliation. Jesus is our wisdom, and he is our hope. How do we get the wisdom of God? Solomon has talked about this. First off, wisdom begins with the reverent fear of God. Then we talked about this fear of God and understanding what it means, this awe and reverence of who he is. 
he and his words. They are of more value than anything else. Proverbs 1 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instructions. Fools hate and despise God's wisdom. Because we understand, wisdom starts with knowing who God is and who we are not. This compels us to repent of sin and folly and return our lives to follow Jesus, where we live in a Godward direction in our lives. We need to stop running around listening to ourselves. We've got to stop talking and start listening to Him. We cannot think God's thoughts until we are in relationship with Him. So we've got to stop speculating and simply begin to read His Word. Second thing, wisdom comes to those who bow their heads and ask for it in humble prayer. James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Because what do you do with your spouse, or your job, or your work life, or your dating life, and all these things? We need wisdom. So we read the scriptures. You get in the gospel community with other people. You pray. You surrender all we are that, to all that he is. Too often, though, in our lives, we turn anywhere but to Jesus himself. And it's not a sin to seek advice of a counselor. I'm not saying that. But if the scriptures make us wise and they lead us to the feet of the cross, then shouldn't we be in the scriptures? Wisdom is found in the Son. Jesus has come to rescue us from our own foolishness so we would live in his grace. The gospel reminds us of our folly and God's goodness. Because we are a people who too often just never learn and we get loud and we stink up all the rooms that we are in. We fail to see our own foolishness as we try to ride on God's horse and make him follow around behind us. But the gospel is not our wisdom. The gospel is about God's rescue of us. See, if we had to decide how people were supposed to be saved, we'd make it all about works. We would say, oh, you do the right thing. Oh, you live a wise life. Well, that's not what the scriptures teach. Yes, God wants us to live in wisdom, but we are not saved by our wisdom. We are not saved by how well we do things or how well we live. We are saved by the good news of what Jesus did to rescue us. We are saved by Jesus himself, not by our good works, by our merit, but by his grace given to us. When we speak about the gospel, the gospel is about Jesus' death and resurrection. It is that we live in foolishness, and that translates into this thing called sin that separates us from God and us from one another. And in so being separated, we can never bridge that gap by anything we do. And so what does God do? God comes to rescue us himself, to bridge the gap himself, to bring us back into relationship with him. Because God is that good. God is that good. And in our wisdom, we would never say that's how it's done. And our wisdom, it's, oh, i gotta, I got to clean myself up. I've had my, my house cleaned like three times in my life by somebody else, and I always clean it up before they come over because it's just weird. They, you know, I, I don't know if you ever had it done, right? And that's many times how people feel about God. Oh, i got to clean up before I go. No, we come exactly as we are because God rescues us exactly where we are, and he takes us from our foolishness and restores us to his wisdom. And the greatest wisdom we'll ever have is trusting him and what he has done to rescue us. This is one of the reasons every week at Element we take you to this place called communion where you break the cracker that represents Christ's body that was broken for us and we dip it in the wine of the grape juice. It reminds us of his blood that was shed for you and me so that we can be a people who begin to understand our rescue in a way that understands how God did it himself. That it's not about us not being foolish any longer. It's about having enough wisdom to trust him with our lives. And even that is a gift from him. And so we become a people who are humble because of God's rescue of us. 
Now, I'm going to invite the band to come up. And as they do, there's going to be some deacons and elders in the back. And if you today need prayer, if you're in a place where you feel like you're living a foolish life, or maybe you feel like you need to have enough wisdom, and when you have enough wisdom, God will then love you and accept you. If you have any of these false notions in your life, they'd love to pray with you about that. If you have different ways where you are maybe, every room you walk in, you're stinking it up, metaphorically. You know, if, if that's you, you know, they'd love to pray with you about that. I think one of, the, one of the things that people who live in wisdom do is they are honest enough to talk about their failures and the places where they have been foolish. And I think we, as a wise people, speak about that. We tell our people where our failures are and where they've been because that helps one another to begin to grow into trusting God in the midst of our own failures, trusting him in the midst of everything because the gospel is the good news of his rescue of us, that Jesus has come to take us from places of foolishness, to lead us back into his grace and his goodness so we live out lives that are seen in wisdom because they're first found in who he is. Guys, our hope is not in people. It's not in institutions. It's in Jesus himself who has rescued us. Uh, We have offering boxes next to every door we give because God gave so much to us, giving us part of our worship. We don't pass a plate. It's not forced upon you. It's always meant to be a response to what God has done. And there's some food and stuff outside. And grab some sermon notes. Maybe meet with some other people this week and talk through these things. Where in your life have you been foolish? You know, where has God redeemed you from some foolish places and led you into wisdom? And then how hard is it to typically walk in that wisdom and to understand what that wisdom even means? That, you know, what kind of ways can we encourage one another to walk in the hope and the grace that God continuously provides to us because he is good? Let's be a people who have enough wisdom to trust Jesus in everything that we do because he's good. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I ask that you would remind us as a people what it means to live in the understanding of what you call us to in the world, that that you did create the world a certain way, and we are a people who were designed to be in relationship with you. And when we're not in relationship with you, we find all kinds of things to try and fill that relationship void with. And rather than holding that over our head of all of our foolishness, you come to us in grace, and you speak words of hope and love and kindness to draw us back to yourself. So I asked this morning that you would have us begin to understand the love you have for us, that crazy love that is so deep and so profound. And by understanding that, we'd come to a place where we would live in humbleness, where we'd bow our hearts and our knees and our lives to who you are. That we would trust you for our, our reconciliation. We trust you for our redemption. We trust you for everything. Because we are a people who are in desperate need of you. And so have us be those who so understand your grace and rescue that we long to live in wisdom and long to listen to the things that you have said and then not be a people who freak out and run away but step into many of the foolish things in our culture and are willing to be buffeted by all the storms to be your hands and feet to those around us and to speak the hope of who you are, where we are. Father, lead us to be a people who trust you more than we trust anything else because we understand your great rescue that has rescued us. And we ask this in your son's good name. Amen.